0: Hello and welcome to Studio Biz and All That Jazz. This interview I have today with the amazing Trisha Gomez uh, is one that you're going to want to stick around for studio owners and teachers because we are going to talk about how you can better understand students with special needs, behavioural challenges, sensory needs, neurodiverse learners and more and this is something that we are seeing quite frequently within our world, let alone within our classrooms. And I just think, you know, we need to better educate ourselves and have a plan when it comes to appropriately managing these, you know, these students within our space, but also making sure that it's a positive experience, not just for the child. Yes, for the child, of course, or for the student, but also for the teacher, for everyone around them and to really come together as a community and make this such a positive learning experience and such an inclusive experience for everyone in the space. That's what my hope is. And Trisha Gomez is all about that. Uh, Now, she has been a staple in the dance teacher education space for the past 15 years. Prior to teaching teachers, Trisha had a robust professional performing career. She danced for the LA Lakers. Um, She was, you know, with Universal Studios, Disney. She was choreographing for TV shows and more. Uh, She's also, you know, the creator of Hip Hop in a Box, which is really fun. She'll talk about that in the episode and most recently, Trisha has focused on educating teachers on best practices for working with students who have unique needs, including cognitive delays, learning differences, physical abilities, behavioral challenges. And this is all through her company, Rhythm Works Integrative Dance. Okay, so this is really cool and she's going to talk about that as well and that's an educational service as well for teachers who want to learn about how to best serve these, you know, students within the classroom and I think that's really magical. Now in 2021, Trisha acquired the IntelliDance Curriculum and Training, which focuses on the developmentally significant parent and me classes for babies ages three months through to five years. And in 2021, Trisha also launched Teaching Artist Exchange, which is a global marketplace, sort of like Etsy for teachers, <laughs> where teachers from around the world can host their own store to share their brilliant teaching resources. This is exciting. There's so much to learn from Trisha Gomez. She's got her hand in many different areas of the industry, and today we are going to talk about quite a lot of it, but we are definitely going to be focusing on her work with Rhythm Works Integrative Dance. All right, let's jump into the show. Hello and welcome to Studio Biz and All That Jazz. I'm your performing arts business coach and host, Josephine Lancuba. This show is designed to bring you inspiration, information and the instruments you need to create and grow the studio biz of your dreams. I will bring you a mix of solo episodes as well as interviews where I tap into the minds of industry experts. My career started as a performer over two decades ago. I later became a speaker, theatrical producer, and talent manager, as well as having a successful teaching career in singing, drama, and dance. 10 years into my professional journey, I became a mummer of two, and with a baby on my hip, opened up my very own performing arts studio. From hardship and humble beginnings to four studio locations and a multi-six-figure performing arts biz, I know how to attract students and keep them coming back for more. And in the show, I will share with you my experiences to help you thrive and fast-track your path to success. I know you have a spark inside of you with dreams and goals for the future. As your coach and mentor, I'm here to help you step into your limelight and be a cheerleader in your ear each and every week. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk studio biz and all that jazz. Hello to the wonderful Trisha Gomez from Rhythm Works Integrative Dance. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> now uh, I, you know, saw you in some sort of Facebook group. I think it was, and you were talking about um what you do and i was just really moved by it i thought it was inspiring and i and i wanted to share that with my audience today so for everyone at home that has never heard of trisha gomez or rhythmworks integrative dance what exactly you know do you do what do you do in this world Wow,
1: well, a lot actually <laughs> um my main focus right now is really uh Giving education to teachers so that they can understand what the heck's going on in class, right? So there's there's the skills that you learn in class, right? Your ballet, your tap, your jazz, your hip-hop, contemporary, whatever it is. But there's a lot of soft skills that teachers are very unprepared for. So things like, you know, challenging behavior or we're seeing a lot of sensory um Deficits in class where it's impacting a child's ability to learn or their ability to self regulate in class. So that causes behaviors that are challenging. Uh, There's, you know, after COVID, we're seeing a lot of um, deficits with executive function skills, and that's causing issues with participation um, in class and, you know, a lot of just neurodivergence. I think teachers are finally starting to realize that you can't just go in and, you know, whatever your style of teaching is, it's your way or the highway. They can't do that anymore. So they're starting to realize that they need some additional tools. So I help them by providing that education. So we focus in on uh, working with students who have special needs, uh, just, you know, behavior and self-regulation in general, regardless of if a child has any kind of diagnosis. Um, There's actually some research that's showing that one I think it's one in six kids, whether they're diagnosed with something or not has some kind of sensory processing challenge. And so that means they're either seeking more sensory input to help regulate themselves, or they're trying to avoid certain sensory input because they're sensitive to it. And that's, uh, you know, causing issues with self-regulation as well. We're not taught that in school, you know, so I coming into that's that, that really interesting, because that's, that's a lot like one in six, that's, Quads. One in six, right. So, I mean, imagine this you have a class of 12 kids, right? So, let's say you average 12 kids in class and you have 50 kids on the schedule or uh, 50 classes on the schedule. If two kids in class have some kind of sensory challenge, that's two kids times 50. Mm-hmm. Can you afford to lose that many kids? You know, with, because these kids aren't getting their needs met. So, these are the kids that don't come back because you know, they, they, it was an over challenge for them because they weren't being taught the way they need to be taught or there was behavioral challenges. So they ended up getting kicked out of the school or, you know, whatever the reason is, the needs aren't being met and it's just way more prevalent now than it was in the past. And yeah, I want to, I want to touch on that actually. And I want to dive into,
0: you know, how this all came about, but before we do, uh, you know, you're saying it's more prevalent. Do you think that is because we are diagnosing more or do you think that is getting you know like uh, is it just that there are more people with these challenges coming up like what do you think the shift and change is now why are we seeing 1 in 6 was there always
1: 1 in 6 yeah. we
0: just didn't know about it you know
1: Yeah I think I think it's a, a bunch of things I think our awareness is more now mm. um I also think covid impacted a lot of this i think you know during those early developmental years when kids need to be outside and playing and you know just working with different people a lot of the things that we learn in terms of like strategies of how we how we cope or figure out how to do things that comes from observing other people and some kids didn't have that for 2 years and if they were in that chunk of years where they were They were forming those strategies or should have been forming those strategies, yet they were blocked from having those opportunities. We're seeing a lot of delays. I would say globally, most teachers that I speak to are just seeing big gaps in in just regular skills that a kid should have, like tying shoes. There was a big, (laughs) there was some post about tying shoes on Facebook and they were like, my eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds can't tie their shoes. Like what's going on? And, you know, number one, I think it's because they're, you know, instead of being outside and playing with your fingers, dexterity, they're doing this or this, right? So that coordination isn't getting layered upon to have the motor plans that they need to do simple things like tie their shoes. So, yeah,
0: that's great. My son is seven and he can't tie his shoes. Uh, My daughter, though, could. So, yes, I totally get you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's I, I think, think it's guys. We got to teach this boy to tie shoes. It's getting ridiculous. I picked him up from soccer yesterday, and his shoes had come undone. So he played the whole thing like, you know, the whole. I was going to call it rehearsal. What do you call it? Practice. <laughs> <laughs> the soccer I love, rehearsal. I love the soccer costumes too. <laughs> <laughs> With his shoelaces untied. First of all, I thought, could the teacher have not? at least tied like helped him tie his shoelaces that was my first point but secondly I thought oh for goodness sakes boy we're gonna teach you some skills
1: did he recognize that his shoes were
0: untied yes he told me mum we, we have did? To get okay. these shoes these these are silly I'm like no honey you need to learn <laughs> 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 but anyway look you know and I, and I love this because it's universal, isn't it? Like I'm here in Sydney, Australia, you're at the moment in Florida and the States, you know, and, and I know you, you bounce around from town to town, which we had a quick chat about uh, before we got started, but it's a universal topic, you know, talking about challenging behaviours and I really don't think it matters where your studio is from or where, you know, where that classroom is. I think it's definitely something we can all benefit from learning how to manage and, and cope and strategise around that. But before we deep dive into that, because I do, I would love you to share some strategies with our listeners on how to sort of help them with these sorts of situations that may arise in the classroom. How did your personal journey start in dance? You know, I read that you, you've you danced, um, you know, for the Los Angeles Laker girls, you were dancing with Universal, Disney, choreographing for television shows. So you've had a this really big career. And I think that's really beautiful. How did that come about and then shift into this space? Because that's very
1: different, you know, like a girl to working in, well, this, in this space. So I started as a teacher yeah. out, out of high school. I was 17 years old when I opened up my first dance studio. So I you know, I, I was very young and that's where I started. And I danced for my college football team. and um, And then one day I was like, I just want to. Auditioned for Laker Girls. So I flew out to LA and auditioned. And I have no idea how or why I made that team, but out of 600 people, I was one of 17 chosen to be on the team. So Amazing. that was kind of like the start of uh, just a wonderful professional dancing career. And then I got into an accident in a show and dislocated my neck and pretty much ended my professional performing career. And that's when I went back to teaching. And I uh, opened up another dance studio in L.A., started working. I was a teaching artist for Disney Performing Arts at Disneyland. So we would get lots of Australian studios coming uh, backstage at Disneyland to take class with us. And um, I did that for quite a while. What do you mean by teaching
0: artists?
1: Yeah, so um, Disney has a program. Uh, I think it's they've changed the name. It used to be called Disney Performing Arts. I think it's now called... I'm not going to get it right so i'm not going to say it but um <laughs> but anyways schools can come back and um, take a class with one of the disney teaching artists sure. and um it's what well, you know it's not a dance class at disney it's a disney class using the vehicle of dance and so it's a very magical experience and you know we would we would teach dancers of all ages of all levels backstage at Disneyland. And then sometimes they would get an opportunity to go out and perform um, if they if they uh, set up a show. So they would do a show. Sometimes they would do parades. So all kinds of fun things. So I did that for quite a while and then um, ended up getting back into teaching and focusing more on teaching teachers as opposed to teaching kids. And yeah, that's kind of where I've been since I think twenty. 20- maybe 2014 2015 actually 28 2008 is when I started teaching teachers
0: yeah um, and then how did it move into this space because you're 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 really focused on that you know challenging behaviors special needs neurodiverse so how did you end up in this particular pocket of the industry
1: I, I um like to call it divine intervention <laughs> I I was pregnant and twenty, my 21st week of pregnancy ended up losing my son and almost dying myself and had um, a little magical experience at that point mm. that just kind of left me with the knowing that there was something else, that it was um, not my time and that yeah. I just needed to be aware of of what it was that if I was open to it, that it would present itself to me. And, you know, after recovering from that over you know, a year or so, um, people, you know, when you learn a new word, you've never heard that word, but as soon as you learn a new word, all of a sudden it's everywhere. Like you hear it everywhere. So I had heard of autism before and you know, different types of special needs, but all of a sudden every, it seemed like every conversation I was having had to center around with autism. And, and I have a product called hip hop in a box, which is like a little um, kit that has flashcards in it. And each card has a different dance step on it. And you link them together and create routines out of it. And people kept saying, can I use hip hop in a box with kids who have autism? And it was like this running theme over and over again. And I kept saying, maybe I should do something with like dance and autism. And so I started, I started, um, I started what I called a year of yes, and you know, it was one of those things where it's like if someone comes up to me and says, Hey, you should read this book or um you should take this class or have you thought about blah 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 or I'd like to introduce you to my friend or do you want to come out with me to a, a party tonight or whatever? I was gonna say yes for the next year because I knew that it would lead to the things that I needed in order to get to wherever I needed to go. And through that course, the most amazing event of Things just fell into place and led me to this path of creating Rhythm Works, and I like I I look at it and go, "There's no way I could have created that on my own." Like it, it I, I feel like it came through me out into the world, and it was just my job to get it out into the world because it's incredible. I mean, there are things that. I wish I would have known when I was 17 or, you know, I wish I would have known when I was 30 teaching dance class that just would have made a world of a difference, not just for me as a teacher and my frustration with dealing with behaviors that I didn't know what to do with, but for the students too, I I look back and I'm like, gosh, I failed so many students because I just wrote them off as the bad kid and this wasn't the place for them to be, or, you know, they just learn choreography. I don't know, Right. And I so, love that
0: honesty. And I think that is key when we have to deal with these sorts of things in the space. And I hate using the word deal, like deal with it, you know. It, right. If, yeah. If, if we could have a strategy around it, a plan, yeah. an action plan, you know. But I love the honesty, you know, that you felt that you weren't servicing them to the, to the best of your ability because you can only do what you know, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we need to just, be honest with ourselves about how we do manage people with special needs or these different you know abilities within our classroom because sometimes we're not doing the best job you know and I for example we had a teenage and, I, and I've and i worked I've worked in um, disability circuit I've, I've done quite a bit in that space for a good couple of years and I'm my strength is vocal so I've worked as a singing teacher for people with disability and some people that actually just had couldn't use their voice due to, you know, speech problems and whatnot. And it wasn't about getting a beautiful sound. It was about them using their voice, right? And mm-hmm. so I've worked with all types of people um, and it's been very rewarding work. But, you know, likewise, there are challenges in a classroom when it comes to studio business, because if we do have someone that is has challenging behaviours or something that we don't understand, it can be intimidating for the teacher. It can also be, I hate to use these words, like it can put off the students because it's different yeah, behaviour be in the yeah. room. Yeah. A couple of years do. ago, we had a teenage girl in our class who was autistic. And we've had many autistic kids come through. We've had all different people come through our studio. But she was, you know, having outbursts of yelling in class. Sometimes there was just random profanity come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what ended up happening was uh, we had a chat to the parent. We ended up getting a support person in the room. And, you know, minute it was a 90-minute class. We decided together with the parent that might be a bit too long like let's minimize the time and adjust it for her and we tried all these different techniques but there there was a point where the teacher didn't want to teach the class and that was really hard and then there was a point where a couple of kids felt a bit uncomfortable due to the outbursts mm-hmm. so that's really hard as a business owner so what what do we do <laughs>
1: <laughs> tell me no, what are you doing? absolutely it, it's it's very challenging because it's there's no um like magic bullet right there's no like do this and everything's gonna be great right yes. i think it boils down to the question of why uh because all behavior and 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 when we think of behavior i want you to think of like what do we see right something that's quantifiable something that we can describe that's happening that's disruptive to the environment. And maybe it's not even disruptive to the environment. Maybe it's it's productive to the environment, but it's the things we do and it's quantifiable, but it's always communication and behavior serves a purpose to either get something or to avoid something. It's as simple as that. So as teachers, if we can kind of drill down and figure out what is this kid trying to say? So if a kid is having, you know, all of a sudden they start yelling in class it could be a bunch of different reasons why they're yelling, but they're yelling for a reason. It's not just because they want to yell. It's usually because they're either trying to avoid something or they're trying to seek something. So I've seen kids, um, uh, when like fluorescent lights, Mm -hmm. they'll emit really high pitched, tone that a lot of us can't hear, but if they're sensitive to hearing, they can hear it very well. And a lot of kids, it's very aversive and irritating to them. And so what they'll do is they'll start humming and making sounds and talking to drown out those sounds that they're hearing because it becomes pretty um, you know it, it's a it's a regulation uh, strategy yeah. for them to drown out that sound um it could be that you know if a kid is running around in class they could be seeking out maybe vestibular input where they the the little mechanisms in your ear that help you with your equilibrium and gravity um and your balance that could be a little bit off so they may need to seek a more intense form of vestibular input in order to regulate themselves so there's a lot of behavior that we see in class that may seem distracting but in fact it's purposeful to the kid that's doing it so as the teacher we need to we need to kind of drill down and say okay what what could this be like what could be causing it i've had kids just like break out into a full like yelling fit when yeah. we played songs with auto-tune right i was so excited there was a song it was a that freeze dance song I was like yes i'm coming New oh, song. Yeah. turned it on and it was auto-tune and this is one kid was just like yeah like he just we lost that it with
0: one kid he from Michael Jackson.
1: Yeah. And so, and you so know, that the, was like, oh my God, don't
0: play Michael
1: Jackson. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the simple answer is we're not playing that song, right? So I could either yeah. play that song and have a kid yelling or I can not play that song and find another song and have that kid participate. And to me, yeah. participation is a little bit more important than playing that song. So yeah, yeah it, 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 you, you really have to, you have to have some tools in your belt so that you can play detective. Yeah, I like it that. it changes you. Like for me, like I used to be that person who would get the life sucked out of me because there was, you know, it was Tuesday 4.30 and this kid's coming to class and I know he was just, his energy is just like bouncing off the walls. It's a mindset like, thing too, isn't it? Because it's walking yeah. into the
0: class. It's like anything, anything in life. right? If you walk in with a mindset of, oh God, here we go. This is going right. to be, yeah. this is going to be hard. It pulls you down. Right. But if you walk in with, if you have some strategies in place, like, okay, well, we won't play that song or we'll turn down whatever or whatever we need to do. Do you have a plan for Studio Biz success for 2024? You're probably thinking, oh, my goodness, I don't even want to think about that. I can't even think about the next four weeks, let alone how my year is going to look like in 2024 in my business. But imagine... Just imagine what your studio would look like if you had a plan, achieving everything you strive for every 90 days. Perhaps you already have systems in place and a solid plan for your studio biz every year, but chances are that those goals and plans have been pushed aside. I bet you have great intentions. However, time can get the better of you And that dedication you initially placed on goal setting sometime back in January 2023 is somehow become rushed and you've passed by your goals this year and not everything came to fruition. Somehow work tasks became ongoing, dreams were overlooked or pushed aside and your priorities got lost when life and business started getting in the way. It happens, it so happens. So don't worry, there is totally hope for you. And I'm here to assist you in planning well for next year. And I've got this you know, big picture for my business and for my life, but do you have a big picture for your studio biz? We're already at the end of 2023, so don't let it slip away from you, you've totally got this. Set aside time this January with me at my 90-day planning session. It's my 90-day studio planning workshop and together I'm going to help you in a group environment Uh, We're going to work through my annual planner and my 90-day planner uh, template resource, which I'm going to give to you. We're going to work through it and do it together because if you want to have this profitable and sustainable studio biz, committing to writing a plan is the first critical step in moving forward towards your dream studio and desired business environment. You need to dedicate real time to set achievable goals. So let's do it jump in now and join my 90-day planning workshop this January. Head to com forward slash 90-day plan or head to the link in the show notes. Back to the show. What about with the other kids in the room? Do you think that there's a benefit in letting the other students know about what's happening I mean they they intuitively know obviously like potentially yeah. got autism or special needs or something's going on is that is that a conversation we should be having with the rest of the
1: class for a sense of understanding and inclusion or where's your thoughts around that that I would take the lead of the parent because yeah. that's that's medical and that's HIPAA related I don't know if you guys have HIPAA there but it's it's a it's a privacy thing right yeah so um, I would talk to the parents and say you know how would you feel if we you know talk to the kids about this and ask the kids for help in certain situations or do you want us not to say anything? or if we do say something, do you want to say something and explain it to them? Do you want to be in the room? Do you want to you know take Sally out of the class whenever we talk to them or like follow the lead of the parent right there so that you know they can be part of that decision and you're not just, Telling all of the, you know, yeah, having that yeah. open
0: communication and respecting the family's decision on on their privacy, yeah. I think is really important.
1: Yeah, uh, or even you know, it may maybe and maybe you don't tell the whole kid. Maybe you or the whole class. Maybe you have one or two kids who tend to be more compassionate and and want to be helpful leaders in class. So maybe you have that conversation. You and the parents have the conversation with those two kids, right? And say, you know, if you happen to see Sally, you know. Um, sitting on the floor, or or whatever it is, or you know, whatever this, whatever the situation is, and whatever a possible solution is, you can work with those kids to kind of be a peer leader, in that in that case as well.
0: Yeah, and I think having that inclusion point too, like uh, you know, it can be simple. There are definitely more challenging scenarios, but there are simple scenarios as well. For example, um, with one of our children with autism, we were doing an in studio solo showcase for parents. And typically when the crowd claps really loudly, they, you know, mm-hmm. put their hands over their ears and sort of duck down a little bit. So before yep. we got started, I said, oh, look, did you yep. want me to let the audience know that, you know, no clapping after your performance? What, what would you, because they're a teenager, so they do, Great. they yep. can make their own decisions. Yep. They can make yep. And, I, mm-hmm. said, and they said, I said, they are going to clap after you finish. Would you like me to tell them not to before you step out? And they said, no, thank you. I, I'm okay with that. That was their decision. Yeah. And yeah. then she was prepared for it and right. it went well. Um, whereas last time did we didn't that. prepare for it and they cowered down. And I thought, oh, well, we need to right. you
1: know, prepare for that next time, you know. And, and that's and- one big strategy is, is um, and we call them, so well, we don't call them social stories, but they're known as social stories. And if if you do have a kid that is you'll know will be sensitive in certain situations or need extra help in certain situations, you can actually write out a script, a story of what to expect. And you know we go out on stage. We're gonna the lights are gonna go low. We're gonna get in our positions. The music's gonna come on. It may be a little bit louder than normal. Um, we're gonna do our dance. there might be some bright lights shining in front of your face. Um, You may be able to see the audience, you might not be able to see the audience. And then when you're done, the audience is going to clap and then we're going to exit, you know, you kind of go through all the steps so that the kid knows what to expect, Mm. because that helps them with, um, with their anxiety of, you know, I I I like to relate it to being in an airplane. And um needing to get up to go um use the bathroom. <laughs> and like right as you get up, the guy, the pilot turns on the seatbelt sign and all of a sudden the plane's like bouncing up and down and you're just like <laughs> right. And and you yeah, you know, but all you can think of is I gotta go, I gotta go to the bathroom, I gotta go to the bathroom. How is it gonna be five minutes or is it gonna be two hours? Cause I can wait five minutes, but I can't wait two hours. And your brain just gets stuck on that, yeah. right? But if the guy came on and said, hey, we're about to go through some turbulence. So I'm going to turn on the seatbelt sign. It's only going to be about 15 minutes. And as soon as we get to clear air, we'll turn it off and you can walk around and go to the bathroom. Then I know what to expect, right? I know we're about to hit some bumps. So when we start hitting them, I'm not going to freak out and think the plane's falling to the ground. And, you know, and then I know that, okay, I can wait 15 minutes. So I'm not fixated on...
0: When can I go? What can I do? What is this? Yeah.
1: Right. So it's, it, it all boils down to communication, really. And, and totally. Preparing what and to I think um, we are seeing more sensory
0: issues in classes. Uh, I think being a little bit flexible around particular uniform or dress code items has been something yes. that we've needed to be. Um, even costumes. So we did a costume fitting recently. We had a child with sensory issues and they just were not having it with the stockings. So is that okay? <laughs> let's not do stockings I don't know like what's the dip I, I said to the parent the parent came up and said look really sorry but we're just having a few issues with stockings and I said okay so what would you like to do they said well we were hoping we didn't have said, said you know what don't wear the stockings that's yeah. so fine like yeah. it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay right um and yeah. it wasn't a big deal and it was fine, and who cares, right?
1: So we yeah. managed that. We, Sometimes I think a bit of flexibility is okay.
0: Absolutely, um, and we're working. Had, I don't
1: know if you know this. Um, we're working with Revolution um Dancewear, mm. and we every year we go in and we evaluate every piece of dancewear that they have and designate different sensory icons for mm. those dancewear. Yeah. So I don't know if they have. I think you guys have a different um, supplier out in Australia. And I'm I'm trying to work with them to get. Is it do you guys? I don't know if you guys go through IDS or not. But I'm trying to get them to um, get us to do the sensory um, evaluations. On, we have. On, you mean like the
0: support government program that um, helps fund certain?
1: No, this is so that's this NGIS? is the, No, this is so Revolution Dancewear has an international arm of yep. their dancewear, and um, so the the one sold in the U.S. and Canada they're all evaluated by us for sensory, um, icons, but we're working with that. I, I, I want to work with the international arm so that UK, Australia, New Zealand can get sensory friendly dance. That sounds well. amazing.
0: I've actually never heard of that. I mean, that
1: doesn't mean it doesn't exist.
0: I've never heard of it. Um, having sensory, you know, uh, you know, logos and things saying hey this will suit this type of person or this will suit that type of sensory issue i think that's really interesting actually yeah that's really cool concept you got lots going on i gotta tell you i (laughs) know
1: whatever we can do to help
0: (laughs) so what would you say um would be your you know if you could give one or two top tips of advice to people that are running a classroom teachers that are running a classroom and having these sorts of issues, whether it be sensory, autism, you know, challenging behaviour, neurodiverse, whatever it is, what is a couple of top tips you would give to a teacher who's really struggling and and
1: finding it hard to keep up with the situation in class and make it positive? Um, Number one, get some education under your belt so that you have tools to dip into because, like I said, you know, it, it's not a one size fits all. And it's, you know, what works for one kid is not going to work for the next kid. And to be honest with you, what works for one kid one week is not going to work for them the next week, because, you know, we we all have different levels of uh, being on the edge, depending on what's happened to us throughout the whole day. And most of the time we get them at the end of the day. So they've already had a full day of like, you know, getting bombarded with sensory input and challenges and, you know, having to deal with stuff. So we kind of get them at the end of their string. So understanding what to look for and um, just some tools in your bag of of how you could actually um, help that child. So I would say, number one, get education. Number two, don't jump to the conclusion that the kid is doing it just to get attention because it's rarely just to get attention there's usually something else going on you know so like you know i look at add and add is a, a dopamine problem in the brain the dopamine production is is under responsive so you know i would say imagine a line and anything above the line, well, you'll be able to focus and pay attention on things, but anything below the line, it's going to be hard to focus on things, especially things that are non-preferred tasks. So, you know, you get into, you know, stretching part of class and, you know, the kids start, their dopamine starts to dip and they lose them. And then now the kid is just, you know, not paying attention, not focusing. um, Understanding that, certain types of movement and things like that can help to spike the dopamine production and get them to focus a little bit better or using different inflections in your voice like music different types of music can help to spike that dopamine so um you know it's not a kid that's just looking for attention it's a kid that just might be moving so that they can stay focused and you're wanting them to stand on their dot still and they can't it's just it's they need something else to to help them focus so you know diving into that why of what's what's happening and and i always go to sensory first i always try to think okay why why is what is this kid trying to get what are they trying to avoid is it something that i can adjust in my class is it the music is it the rumbling of the air conditioning is it, is, is it the studio next door to us is playing their music too loud and the auditory, there's like auditory confusion. And now the kid can't really understand the instructions. Does the kid not want to touch anybody? And so they don't like to be around anyone and you know they don't like to mix and mingle and hold hands and they're afraid that they're going to get touched. So looking at those things, I think, will help the teacher to um understand what's going on and, and getting back to mindset, it takes you from being that like, oh, this kid to okay i'm going to figure this out i'm going to like i'm going to try this i'm going to try that i'm going to try this i'm going to see how that kid responds and if the kid is verbal and the kid can communicate well to you then by all means ask the kid what is it what can i do to help mm. right you know and, and and another thing to remember too is when a kid is escalating so when a kid is showing you know pretty you know, crazy for the lack of words, lack of better words. And I wouldn't say crazy. I would say escalated behavior, right? So more more intense behavior. Um, Trying to give them instructions is not the time. That is, you know, telling them to, you know, sit down, just sit down. Like that is, they're not going to listen. There needs to be calming strategies to help that child calm down first um, in order to receive instructions. Um, There's a great... um, uh, I think his name is, oh, I'm going to forget it, Stephen somebody or another. Uh, but he explains it. Um, so if, if you make a, um, the number four with your hand where your thumb is tucked under and your, four, your other four fingers are straight up, if you think about where your palm is, so your thumb and the palm of your hand, he describes that as the downstairs brain. And the downstairs brain is where your big, strong emotions live. Like, this is the, I want to do this now. Or I got to get away from this now feeling right here. Yeah, Top part, if you take your four fingers and curl them over your thumb. So making like a fist, but your thumb is inside instead of outside. The four fingers are your top part of your upstairs brain. So this is your downstairs brain, your bottom part. And then your four fingers are your upstairs brain. Your upstairs brain is where all of your like kind... Uh, you know, connected thought processes go. It's where you go to get your strategies and your, you know, your self-regulation lives there. But sometimes these emotions in the downstairs brain just get, they, they get way out of control and you pop your lid and your fingers pop up and you're not able to access, your downstairs brain is not able to access your upstairs brain. And so, you're not going to be able to follow instructions and participate properly when you're escalated like that. So you want to teach the kids before they escalate strategies to calm so that they can close their lids so that then they can be ready to receive instructions and participate properly. Yes, it's
0: almost a prevention method rather than, I mean, not that you can prevent it necessarily, but trying to preempt that escalation by having strategies in place.
1: Yeah. And there's little things like I, I once you get to a Noah kid, you can start to recognize on their face. There's little, like, maybe it's like a little, like a tense feeling or like, you know, maybe they're biting their lips or they're squeezing their eyes or they're doing, you know, some kind of like flapping with their hands or something. You can, you can see those signs that that kid is starting to get to a point where they're over the edge mm-hmm. and they are about to really escalate. And at that point, you can do some kind of strategy, you know, whether it's like taking them out to sit on the uh, a chair just outside the door where it's a little calmer, or giving them some kind of like weighted vest to put on, or if it's, you know, if, a chew, if they need chew necklace, some jewelry um, to help with proprioceptive input to help them regulate, there's, you know, different things that you can do to kind of intercept <laughs> before they escalate. Yeah, I love that.
0: So education, of course, being that key and then having those strategies in place to preempt that um, potential escalation is another key value there, which I also thought was great. Thank you for that. Um, Before we wrap today, I'd love to ask you a couple of little questions that I love to ask my guests. Um, So firstly, who or what inspires you most?
1: Wow. Okay who or what it's really inspiring to me to watch people figure things out like there's not a specific person that i'm like oh this person's so inspiring but just to watch people go through that process of struggle
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then all of a sudden like figure it out and it's that aha moment of like oh my gosh like either like they're either struggling to get some kind of skill in class or, you know, some kind of problem that they're trying to work out and then, oh, you know, or they finally like get the, the answer to this thing that's been bothering them. Like I live for those moments and we see that in class a lot. Whenever I used, yeah. I used to teach this live, um, the Rhythm works course live in person and just to sit and watch the people in class, they were like, oh my, like you can finally see like, oh my God, that's what's going on with that child. Like they, they start to put, you know, connecting those dots to me. That's just, that keeps me going. So yeah, and, and those aha
0: moments. Yes. And we see it time and time again, even as parents, you know, with our own children when it's like the first time they learn to walk or the first time they learn to swim yeah. and you just have that, oh, my gosh, this is a, you're amazing. Uh, that is- <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. that, I've never had someone um, actually give me that response. I love that. And it, it is. It's it's working through the challenge and the fear and having that aha moment. Yeah. They are very inspiring moments.
1: And um, when I do when I go back to my, like through my teaching career, mm. I've had kids who have gone on to be professional dancers and that's great. But the things that I remember are those little moments, right? That time when that kid, you know, jumped for the first time or um, balanced on one leg for more than, you know, two seconds or, you know, whatever it is. And then, yeah. and it's just like a Big deal to them and like a kid learning how to jump, like that's life-changing, right? Like that doesn't, it's not just dance class, like that's playing on the playground. That's just you know, going to different places with you know their family and jumping off of little things like that is life-changing. So yeah, those are the those are the moments you remember and you take with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, what does success look
0: like and mean to you? Um
1: so when I after I lost my son and went through this process with you know creating Rhythm Works, I kind of made a, an agreement that success to me would be impacting people and, and changing, seeing that they're able to now you know, handle things with more grace or teach things in a way where a child could finally understand and, 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 and get it. Um, that is, that's success to me. Um, you know, you can make money a hundred million different ways, but just being just knowing that you made a difference, I think is is a big deal. Yeah, that is so true. And you can make
0: money a hundred million different ways. You've got so many things going, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. But at the end of the day you know, that's the, I'm actually reading um, a book called Thrive from Ariana Huffington at the moment. And she talks about the three metrics of success and, you know, the two ones that we've always known and uh, the ones that people strive for the most being, you know, money, power, right? Or power, fame, whatever you want to call it, but money and power. But the third metric to success being, you know, wellness and, and that's being at the forefront now, and just being able to what you do is you're impacting people's wellness. And so yeah. being able to do that is a great legacy and a great success story. so that that's phenomenal. Thank you so much. Now, um before we go, and I, again, I want to say thank you for being on the show. Where can people find you? Where, where's the best place for them to, to look you up
1: online? All well over the place. So Trisha Gomez Luzio, L-U-Z-I-O, um, and it's the on that's on Facebook. Um, that is there's two accounts, but you want to look at the want to look for the one with um me leaning over. There's like a a, a light ring behind me pointing at it that's the yeah. one with me um, so you facebook there uh, but um you can see all of the things that we're up to um at inspirecreateeducate.com. Inspirecreateeducate.com. we'll make sure we pop a link in the show notes for everyone as well okay and yeah and there there you can learn more about rhythm works you can learn more about intellidance which is our parent and me program starts at age three months old wow. all the way up to five years old Um, And that is a a phenomenal brain development program. It's all science backed and based and uses music and movement to help develop the brain and the body. Um, What else do we do on there? We have um, uh, dance in a box, which is where you can get our hip hop in a box and one, two, three dance. And we have all kinds of teaching resources on there and um, teaching artist exchange which is um yeah I saw that teaching artist exchange looks awesome I want to go check that out what is yes. teaching artist exchange so is think of it as like Etsy for dance teachers yeah. so it's platform global platform and any dance teacher studio owner can go on and open up their store on the platform um and sell their awesome ideas right so like we have things like um you know uh uh, what handbooks or um activity sheets that you've done in class uh you know stage show spreadsheets to you know for your production to get everything ready like any anything that you can think of um instructional videos lesson plans um we have coloring pages and um planners and uh, literally anything literally
0: can- etsy for Yeah. And so, and there's,
1: there's, I built it because there's so many brilliant teachers out there and studio owners that have done the work for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So, why not sell it to other teachers who are looking for those things? The other teachers know that they're, when they buy it, they're supporting another fellow teacher. And these other teachers who have these great ideas can have a little side hustle going on without the whole production of like creating a website and yeah. the marketing machine that goes behind it, and you know all the money that goes out in order to do that. It just just gives them a little place to to sell that, and it's a one stop shop. So it's um it's growing, but um yeah, it's some really cool stuff on there.
0: Okay, well, I think you know the work you're doing, obviously, you know, is so fantastic. You've you're making an impact, you know, focusing on the well-being of those people, which is beautiful. And we love that so much. I want to
1: thank you again for being on the show. You've been an absolute pleasure today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And yes, I'm happy to help in any way. I know behavior um, and just neurodivergence in general is becoming um, kind of the hot button words right now. Um, But but it's really that part of teaching dance that most teachers are unprepared for. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And it's, it, but it's, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> That's right. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.
0: This episode was brought to you by my signature group coaching program, Studio Biz Success an amazing and accessible online educational platform for performing arts studio owners designed to help you grow your business with confidence and get your results. Check it out at josephinelancuba.com along with other great industry resources to help you leap into the studio biz you deserve. If you love this episode, be sure to share it with your friends. You can tag me on social media at josephinelancuba and give it a review your support helps the show to grow so I can continue to provide you with useful, informative content. I'm Josephine Lane Cuba, your biggest cheerleader. Thanks for listening and shine bright.